Hey there, and welcome to Radio Free Bay Ridge. I'm Dan. And I'm Rachel. And this is your hyper-local, progressive podcast focusing entirely on... Beautiful Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. There we go. It's been a while since it's really just been me and you, Rachel, opening an episode. I know. It took us a couple of minutes to figure out uh, how to do it. (laughs) (laughs) We did have everyone in the studio for the New Year's episodes. Now we have Justin, we have Andrew, we have Mathilde. We have Max. By the way, congratulations on a very successful campaign, Rachel. Thank you. Everybody worked really hard. We were, what, 10 points to Trump in 2016, and we won by six this time around? Yeah, this is what happens when you guys get involved. Well, Uh, and and on that note, I mean, something that we're starting to see is politicians want to come here and they want to talk to us. We're working a little bit with Solidarity Space, just recording some of the public advocacy things that they've got. And it's amazing because Kadia and Ross started doing their thing with Ron Kim the other day. And by the time it ended, people were, why aren't I invited? Why aren't I invited? And (laughs) yeah, there are 30 candidates in the field, but they genuinely want to come talk to people in Bay Ridge. That's um, Kadia Goba with uh, Brooklyner, right? Yes. And Ross Barkin, formerly Uh, of the- uh, Did he run for office? Yeah, he ran (laughs) (laughs) ran for the uh, the primary against Andrew. But all right, now that we have some extra space that was already leased out for the year, turning that into a community space. Yeah, that's been that's been a really interesting process to watch. They've been going what like two months now, yeah. something like that, and they're starting to really have a great program over there. Yeah, no, we did our workshop for the podcast over mm-hmm. there. If you're interested, we might hold more. Everyone, if you want to know <laughs> well, the ins and outs of podcasting. Okay, so the public advocates. How long is that series running for? That is pretty quick because the election itself is on the twenty sixth of February. Wow! So that is going to be a short, sweet. I think Bayridge Dems are doing their endorsement. We're recording this on Wednesday, so they're doing it tomorrow on Thursday, mm. the tenth. Petitions are due within a week. I didn't realize, but the order that they turn in the petitions is mm. the order that they're listed on the ballot. Oh, wow. So you've already got some of the heavy hitters in the first couple of days where you saw people like Espinosa. So they were rushing to get their stuff in to be on the top of the ballot. And this is a nonpartisan election. Oh, that's the other thing. So everyone gets to invent their own party, right? Don't they only have to do the job for like a couple of months or something? And then there's another partisan election? Yep. Then we go straight back to the... State primary in September and the general in November. There was nothing going on in 2019. Well, you know. Well, some people would argue the public advocate isn't really much of any. I know. Well, Curtis Slee was running specifically to abolish the office. As as Bob Capano keeps pointing out on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Like keep... four, four times during the thing last night. We, we heard you, Bob. Honestly, no one needs to hear from you anymore. Oh, <laughs> oh Dan. Run for something to abolish the office. Coming from the guy who is on the um, reform party that abolished itself. Oh, Dan. Feisty today. Hey, it's a new year. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're all a little bit feisty after that win in November. Agreed. Speaking about feistiness, the Bike South Brooklyn mm. group has been doing a lot of work. I'm moonlighting for them, so apologies. <laughs> this is not entirely a, a neutral argument. But um, Bike South Brooklyn has been talking with the community board for at least a solid year. And I, we've been covering that for Radio Free Bay Ridge, doing a couple of live mm-hmm. tweets. And I had a nice little article in Streets Blog about the transit committee meeting. You better be careful. You're turning into a real journalist there. Uh, uh-oh. <laughs> Might have to do journalistic ethics. I can't be as feisty, right? <laughs> oh, no. We're going to um, stay feisty. <laughs> No, that bike group uh, did a really good job kind of bringing community award back around, organizing a bunch of bicyclists that really hadn't been organized in the neighborhood before. And we finally got out of that. The DOT is going to hold a big visioning session. Formerly, the community board and basically the community board would just think about Mm -hmm. what they felt was good for the neighborhood. And it can be very paternalistic. We got to do another episode on community board reform. (laughs) I had a bunch of stuff that I had to cut from the Little City Hall episode. Did you really? Yeah. So there's 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 going to be another another community board episode coming up at some point. But the point is, is that the DOT is going to hold a visioning session. And the visioning session means that you get a bunch of tables out, a bunch of people come sit down. They tell you how and what you need to do to build a bike lane and what's required if you don't know. Mm -hmm. And then... You have a mapping session, like a bunch of people like sit down and like arts and crafts for grownups and bikes. Yeah. And it actually might impact what the infrastructure for the neighborhood is going to be. The DOT can take that data back and they'll start developing stuff based on that feedback. Sadly, we'll put this up in the show notes. We had a 
current president of the community board, Doris Cruz, kind of be like, oh, these bicyclists are too organized. We have to get a bunch of motorists over here. What, oh, for the bike no. For the bike lane meeting? No, no, no. I mean, like, everybody should have a say, but that's it's just hilarious. Yeah. It's like, oh, you guys, like... They're too organized. Too organized. Like, How hey, dare you? How very dare you? It took you. a lot of work to organize. <laughs> they wouldn't have needed to organize if the community board under Doris had spent any time actually outreaching to them in the last decade. But that's the point. We can't wait for them to outreach to us. It's on us to organize. It's on us to make noise. That's that's part of being an activist in Bay Ridge. Kind of why we're here, too. <laughs> DIY. But anyway, go down there. That's Wednesday, January 16th. It starts at 7 o'clock at the Shore Hill housing complex that is 9,000 Shore Road. Yep. And this is another thing, like where there was the participatory budgeting and getting involved in that. You know, this is another opportunity. It's another entry point for people to get involved in the neighborhood. Yeah. We do talk a lot about the lack of public feedback opportunities um, here, you know, in this issue, um, education. So take advantage of it. Yeah. And for most of 2018, we were reacting. And Mm -hmm. 2019, we get to be proactive. This is one of the first opportunities to really do that. And speaking of being proactive, the annual Martin Luther King March. Is it the third annual Martin Luther King March? I believe so. Third or fourth. That's been really headed by Bay Ridge for Social Justice, but almost every single local activist group is co-signing on to that. Mm -hmm. So it'll be happening on January 21st. It'll start at the Beit Al-Maktis Islamic Center on 6th Avenue between 62nd and 63rd Street, and there'll be a family-friendly mile-long march down to the Salam Arabic Lutheran Church of Brooklyn, and where there'll be some speeches. You know, you get fired up. Yeah, it's it's really beautiful. I remember the one last year, you know, the, the speakers come out and they talk about what the day is about and what we have to work towards as a community, as a neighborhood. Yeah. And I think this year the theme is solidarity, not borders. Oh. So that's going to be really interesting. It's about focusing on um, immoral and divisive borders from Palestine to Mexico and some not so physical like poverty, racism, injustice. So we're going to be there to record. We hope to see you guys there. Head over to um, Bay Ridge for Social Justice's Facebook page and you can RSVP and we'll have more info in the show notes, I'm mm-hmm. sure. And it's basically the same route as last year, but they're reversing it's like, it. like, yeah, the other way around. Yeah. So <laughs> it was really fun last year. I think uh, we actually have some audio and video that we never really put up on the community archive. Uh, right. So we might That's do that. That's why you're going to teach me how to do community archive audio cleaning so we can start clearing that backlog yeah exactly right (laughs) after we record this episode yes um what else is coming up oh there is a march against violence peace action bay ridge is doing one i love that there are so many different groups like i was sitting in a coffee shop talking to somebody from the campaign and they were asking like oh you know what's in bay ridge what's going on i started listing groups i got like four in and there he was like oh that's great okay i was like no no there's more so it's the Candlelight Vigil Against Gun Violence on Martin Luther King Day Eve. So that's Sunday, January 20th. So go do that, do the Candlelight Vigil, and then do the MLK March the day after. And that'll be at the um, Bay Ridge United Methodist Church, um, 7420 4th Avenue, um, right in front of the Garden Gate, 6 p.m. And that brings us to something that we've been announcing for like six straight months. <laughs> this one's been cooking for about a year now. <laughs> I feel bad that we haven't gotten around to like fully getting this out. We recorded this interview like August, end of September. yeah August or September, yeah. um, and we were working on it for way before that. We were working at it about this time of the year last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, it's it, I think it's a really important episode because I think there's a lot of things that people think they know. Mm-hmm. They don't really know. <laughs> Obviously, when we have these ideas, we want to get them out as quickly as we can. But at the same time, I think something that came out through the time span that this episode took us to make, there's actually been a developing news story about businesses and signs and signage. And literally on my walk over here today, there was a new development in that. And and Amanda will talk a little bit about it. The bid was one of the first Mm -hmm. ones to kind of start Mm -hmm. getting the inklings that this was a problem, which was that a bunch of people were getting hit for sign fees where their signs didn't have like a weird piece of paperwork or something. Well, so, so about probably late summer last year, the bid started getting complaints about signage fines and citations. Mm. And what was happening was that people were being reported for not being in compliance with sign permits. Okay, so just a permit. Small businesses. Not it's, like it's, the sign was in danger of falling on well, someone's that, head. Well, that's the thing. It was like whatever this paperwork thing was is the thing that said this was safely hung and in accordance with the rules. Okay. Um, but it was very specific. A lot of business owners didn't know about it. And apparently they only were enforcing it was being reported. 
And the article that I was reading said that the reports were coming in in focused areas over specific time spans. So they would get a whole surge of calls about shops on one street. Oh, so it was and like then, one person looked, yeah, three one one back to the previous year. It was like, you know, 200 percent, 300, whatever ridiculous yeah. percentage raise. So what happened, you know, we heard about that from Amanda when we did this interview uh, Kadia Goba actually published a story about something similar happening in East New York around that same, I think it was end of October. Then going into September, there was something happening on Facebook in some of the Bay Ridge groups where it was getting mentioned. Justin tweeted about it. I want to say Menchaca tweeted back at him. A couple of, it, all of a sudden there was like a city councilman working group on Twitter. So what happened was very quickly, the city council reacted legislatively. Espinal put forward a bill that was actually like literally as I was walking over here from my apartment, I got a thing saying that his bill just passed the city council. So now it'll go to the mayor if the mayor signs it. You know, so I'm sure there'll be something out there yeah, by the time we, we leave will the link studio. in the show notes. Yeah. Um, the show notes for this episode, by the way, are going to be pretty intense. Um, I just got back from a uh, two and a half hour walk up and down Third Avenue, and yesterday I did uh, two and a half up and down Fifth Avenue. I'm going to yeah. do another up and down Fourth, and we're going to actually have some real data about vacancy rates. That's another thing you're going to hear in this episode. We're going to really talk about what that means. Are storefronts in Bay Ridge vacant? Yeah. Uh, we keep hearing people online. All and the stores are closing. It's all chains. Everything. I'm so sad that Nathan's closed. Thank God Trader Joe's is like. Sorry, I'm not going to start. I'm not going like, to start. Oh my gosh, poor Nathan's multi-billion dollar company, you know. With questionable political views. Yeah, come on. Seriously? Nathan's? It's like, I remember when I was growing up, people were like, holy crap, they're opening a McDonald's boo. And it's like, Nathan's is a fast food chain, guys. <laughs> it's a big fast food chain that was using a ton of space that could be better used on that avenue. And now there's might be something better. Chill out. Anyway, so... I think we should just jump straight into this episode. We've been delaying for, you know, a year. We've been work- working to provide a quality product to our very discerning listeners. Let's set the stage. Um, who are we interviewing today? We're going to be speaking with Amanda Zentano, the executive director of the Fifth Avenue Bid. And we sat down and had a fantastic chat with her, which you are now going to listen to. All right. And we are here at the HQ for the Fifth Avenue Bid. And we're here with... Amanda Zentino, thanks for having me. Thanks so much. So one of the things that we've really noticed in Bay Ridge is there are so many small businesses, and I think the neighborhood takes a lot of pride in that and the fact that we're not overrun by chain stores. Now, the Fifth Avenue bid helps small businesses, and we are really interested in how that works and what that looks like. Let's dive right in. Yeah. So I guess first question is, for people who don't know, what does a bid do and what does it stand for? Okay. And I do get that question a lot. So a bid, which is what you'll hear people refer to it as, is really a business improvement district. That is basically a group of property owners, residents, merchants of a specific area will come together and make a determination about whether or not they need a bid service. And it's a pretty lengthy process to get approved and you go through small business services. Usually they say it's about a three-year process if Mm. you're lucky. And to get everyone to really sign on and make determinations about, honestly, what they're willing to pay for the services that they think that they need and what it is that the bid is really going to focus on to help improve that particular area. It's interesting you mentioned that. One of the things that I've been really interested in knowing is like what kind of services aren't provided by the city? Business owners feel they need to fill in. So the truth is you never want to say it's a service not provided by the city. (laughs) Okay, fair. What we want to do is say that we're providing supplemental services or services in addition to what the city provides that, again, businesses, residents, property owners, they are the ones that really make a determination about what the needs are, what they're looking for, what they'd like to see in their neighborhood. So what are what are some of the supplemental services? Okay, so traditionally all bids do supplemental services in the area of sanitation. That is a huge one. You're going to see that that really takes up a big chunk of the budgets for most bids. And that is almost universally where people start to come together and say we need some help. While the city obviously does garbage pickup, they're not helping to clean anything. Mm. So, you know, keeping a commercial corridor clean is a huge job. And to expect that the business owners, the merchants can be out front every day, constantly sweeping, constantly moving up. It's not something that they can legitimately do. Mm -hmm. And I think after a certain number of fines or issues that they start to say, listen, this needs to be cleaner. 
And sometimes it's just the way something looks. How does our block look compared to other blocks? Or what does it feel like when you come to Fifth Avenue versus maybe going to another area that doesn't have a bid? You know, we have four people working full time. Mm -hmm covering a 20 block radius. And so exactly. So we come on out to Fifth Avenue, you'll see them walking up and down. They're constantly cleaning the sidewalks, constantly emptying garbage. When there's snow, they'll remove snow at the corner so that Mm. people can cross. And it's just anything to really make it a nice shopping experience. We also do all of the planters. Mm -hmm. So we have something like 76 planters up and down Mm -hmm. that we maintain. And it's been a hard year on our plants this year. So we're putting in a lot of new plants. And then one of the other things that you'll see that's very different on Fifth Avenue is a lot of benches. Mm -hmm. People love benches. They love to know that they can stop and sit down and chit chat, talk to neighbors and go in and out of shops. In addition, almost all bids do some sort of lighting project around the holidays. And we also do that. So all of the festive holiday lights we do. And in terms of additional services that really the city would not provide, things like marketing, doing events, helping to drive foot traffic, and really addressing maybe some advocacy issues on a larger scale than individual businesses having to do it on their own. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I think everybody's really familiar with the bid through things like the Fifth Avenue festivals you guys just had. Mm -hmm. How much of your time is spent on putting together those kinds of fantastic events? Okay. So around event time, especially large ones like the Fifth Avenue Festival, a pretty good deal of our time Mm. is on festival because something like that, we want to encourage merchant participation. We also Mm. bring in outside vendors. We want to have activities. We want to do marketing. We want to make sure the community is aware and comes. There's two of us in the office. So it's a lot of work for two people. So traditionally um, bids of our size are typically two staff people. Sometimes it's a staff and a half. Maybe if you're lucky, it's two and a half people. Um, But two people is pretty common if you go around to most bids in New York City. How does the Fifth Avenue Bay Ridge bid stack up to other bids in the city? And how do you guys interact and get involved with the rest of them? And I know Manhattan has some huge ones that must have like tons of stuff. Even Bay Ridge has three different bids. Right. Well, actually, what they have right now, we have the 86th Street bid in Mm -hmm. Bay Ridge, which is very different from us on Fifth Avenue. And then you have the Third Avenue Merchants Association, which is currently looking into forming an official bid, which would officially make it three. But we all work together. Mm-hmm. We are constantly doing things together, keeping in touch with each other. You know, if one of us has a sanitation issue, we talk to the other. We have recently partnered with the Third Avenue Merchants Association. This just started at the end of last year because we realized that we were trying to do more events and things like that. And so we just kind of got together and said, OK, you know what? what can we do together instead of both of us trying to do this? And so that's been a kind of unique partnership. And I think that if you're a business owner, having a resource to talk to other business owners Mm -hmm. and developing those kind of relationships is only going to be for the benefit of the neighborhood and for your own personal business. But to answer your question, because I got a little (laughs) off topic, we are part of the New York City Bid Association and Mm. most bids do decide to opt in. It's not something you have to be part Mm -hmm. of. But again, when you talk about a collective, So our businesses get a collective because they're part of the bid. And then every bid that is part of the New York City Bid Association is part of a larger collective. (laughs) Ah. So we get the resources and the knowledge and the know-how and things of some of those very large bids that you were discussing. But also the smaller bids are represented. So we all have a voice at the table. We go to meetings. We're on different working groups. And we usually go together and advocate together, you know, if there's a rally or if there's something that is going to be beneficial to businesses. And it's a great resource. It's a wonderful place for me to reach out and say, hey, not sure how to handle this. Like, or has anyone dealt with this problem? Or do you have a good vendor? Or what would you recommend mm. I say to this business? So how does our bid stack up like in terms of size? Like, what are its boundaries? Like? Okay, our boundaries. So we are on Fifth Avenue, as the mm-hmm. name would entail. And we run between 65th and 85th Streets. So really what happens, and we stop at 85th Street because then you have the 86th yeah. Street bid that runs the cross. So yeah. it's a contiguous no area. Toes. <laughs> there you go. And they have very different needs and they're different yeah. organization altogether, which I really think highlights that even though we're in the same neighborhood, each bid is very individualized. 
So something that just recently rolled out in Bay Ridge, and I know this has been a big project from our current city council representation, is this community policing. Hmm. I'm really curious about how that fits into all the different parts of Bay Ridge, but specifically with businesses. Mm -hmm. What's that looking like? They haven't come to us directly, but we have engaged with them in that we engage with the 68th Precinct Mm. quite a bit, even prior to the NCO program. So what's been really nice about the NCO program is that it's going to answer a lot of what they call quality of life issues. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going to change fundamentally, I think, how they respond to large crimes and things like that. Now, prior to NCOs, we address that by having our own security. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And oh, that's that car that goes yes, up and down the absolutely. avenue. Up there and we down go. The avenue, there we go. You know, so we have security five days a week, Tuesday through Saturday, and he's here full time. And I'm very interested to see how we're all going to work together now that we have NCOs and security and things like that. Our security guard, that's how he functions. And so I really like that model for the 68th. He knows everybody. He knows all the teenagers on the avenue. He knows all the business owners on the avenue. They wave when he comes by, like everything's a-okay. If they have a problem, he stops in. People can laugh. But, you know, if people are stealing plants or if there's too much garbage piled up and, you know, like, oh, we've seen someone dumping garbage. We all want to be a community. We all want to work together. So it's very easy to just go talk to someone and say, hey, don't dump your garbage here. And it's really just having that presence and knowing that you have someone in your corner. You know, we like to go out as much as possible, but we can't be out there all the time. And so when you have someone out there all the time that's affiliated with the bid, That's a great way to continue to get information and feel like there's this constant bid presence um, available to you on Fifth Avenue. And I'm imagining distributing things, too, and just like like courier. No, no, absolutely. You know, so and I think that, again, this is kind of the NCO model, right? It's supposed to be someone very friendly Mm -hmm. going out and saying, hey, you know, here's some information. Uh, You know, there's new laws regulating hookah lounges. We have multiple hookah lounges on our bid. So I was constantly trying to send out the information. I was doing it via email. I was stopping by. The thing is, you know, they know me, but sometimes they think you still work for the city. Right. Yeah. Um, And that can be a hurdle, even though I want to make very clear, like, no, we work for you. But, you know, when they've engaged with our security constantly and they know him, they're more willing to take some of that information. Be like, oh, you know, what is this? All right. Let me talk to the bank. You know, just in that information sharing and here's what's coming up and also very specific things like you may see the sign that says no parking. But let's be very clear. This is what's happening. It's a festival. This is when it's going to be closed. You have any questions? Here's who you want to talk to. That sort of thing. 65th to 85th is a really diverse uh, set of neighborhoods within a neighborhood (laughs) and the kinds of stores are so different. Yeah. Where are some of the common concerns through all of those businesses and where do they diverge if they do? Business owners' needs are relatively the same regardless of where the business owner is from, how long they've been in business. Opening a business in New York City is very difficult. Maintaining that business is difficult. And it's not just because you have to generate so much money, you have to get in People who are buying, you have to keep your merchandise fresh. You have to keep your menu fresh. You have to give them a reason to come in. But also just knowing all of the rules and regulations for operating that business is in and of itself a full-time job. So even me, you know, where I'm trying to be versed with all of it and I have office time to sit here and go through it and analyze it, I'm like, wait a minute, for this permit, you have to go to here and to here and to here and to here. Okay, and now I need what kind of contractor and how, when can I do it and how much is it going to cost? And It's really complicated, you know, and if you think about that, most of the businesses, as you pointed out, on Fifth Avenue are small mom and pop, individually owned businesses. They're the ones working those shifts every day, all day. Yeah. So how do you do all these other pieces? So those are the kind of things that are very similar Mm -hmm. to everyone, no matter, again, how long they've been in business, what their business is, where they're from. Um, what their hopes and dreams are for their business. Yeah, because we see a lot of times small business owners are like, oh, the fines are getting crazy. Like, Absolutely. And so I'm imagining the bid is supposed to be there as kind of like a financial planner who's there mm. to figure out we your finances, not for the bank. Exactly. We are a resource. And one of the things that I'd love to come up with this is to understand how to use us as a resource. Mm. If you're telling me about the fines that you have, you know, I'm not going to say, oh, you have these fines. Absolutely not. What I want to know is, can I catalog the fines that we're getting? And if we are getting a certain number of fines that are very similar across businesses, then I can go to our local politicians. I can go and say, hey, here's the issues we are seeing. Here's what's making it difficult for Fifth Avenue to stay in business. What are you going to do about it? You know, one of the things that came up not too long ago was some signage issues. Signage is a huge Mm -hmm. problem. 
there was fines because the signage wasn't oh, exactly yeah. correct. It yeah. was a little over the top of where it was allowed to be. And even for us, getting the information on the changes, sometimes you can't get it all until after someone says, hey, I've been fined. I didn't even know this was a new rule. In the instance of those businesses, you know, we went out. I looked at the signage. I gave them some resources, information on what are appropriate signage, what are the fronts, what are you allowed to have, what aren't you allowed to have, but also just saying, here's a list of contractors mm -hmm. that you can actually hire, that you're not going to run into any trouble. They've been vetted. And I was able to do that again by reaching out to other bids, the bid association, other people that I've worked with in the industry and say, who have you worked with? And ideally, and this is where we want to get to, that if enough of those businesses are coming to me and they all have a similar problem, then I can even help negotiate one contract mm -hmm. for all of them to say, okay, we've got five businesses doing signs. Now we have the buying power of five businesses versus individual businesses trying to do it on their own. How can mm -hmm. we drive down costs? And that's really where we want to get to. And there are some things, obviously, that are very specific to us mm -hmm. that really are hard to get from the hive mind of the overall yeah. bid structure. Like the hookah lounge legislation, I'm imagining, is so specific. We very mentioned that specific. a little earlier. Like, what are some of the challenges? And Well, I try to think of it as an opportunity. And it is understandable where this comes from. You know, it's, yeah. it's part of a Clean Air Act. They want to make sure that they don't have tobacco mm -hmm. in their products. They've got good ventilation and certainly, you know, understandably, there are people who live above hookah lounges mm. and things like that. Yeah. This is not to say that any kind of legalities around these things are wrong, but where the benefit comes from, in my mind, is that these lounges are grandfathered in. Yeah. Which means after this takes effect and you're grandfathered in, you can stay in business as long as you're following through with all the new rules and regulations, yep. which means no more hookah lounges. So if you are a hookah lounge who has managed to stay in business and do all the things that you need to do, you're going to be one of a few, which could certainly mm -hmm. increase your business dramatically. dramatically. Basically, you have like a little monopoly. And you have an absolute Specifically, Bay Ridge has quite a few of them. I think they it's only do. another area in they Queens, do. and that's pretty much it for the city. <laughs> so, so when you think about like you could suddenly go from being the local hookah lounge to being a destination in mm. New York City. That's a very different business model. So, again, there are opportunities, but the business owner has to be aware of what all the regulations are. Where I am concerned about anything like this is if there's a major overhaul that has to be done, will the business owner be able to get any funds to help with that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or is it going to be prohibitive and then they have to close and that is an issue. And so you want to try and avoid that. And I'm imagining with the fines and the different kinds of agencies that can distribute those fines, it's also very difficult to get store owners to really trust the city at all. Oh, yeah. This, yeah. No, no, absolutely. I mean, I think that that's very fair. So bids work with small business services, New York City Small yeah. Business Services. SBS. SBS. So they really kind of oversee our operations. They make sure that we're doing all the things that we're supposed to be doing. And, you know, you always want to have some sort of oversight. And they're a wonderful city organization, but because they're a city organization, mm. it makes it very difficult for me to convince people like, no, you should be working with SBS. They are absolutely a resource. And so that's something I'd love to make sure is very clear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Recently, we had the SBS mobile unit come up at 72nd Street and it was parked all day so that businesses didn't have to go into Manhattan mm. and take time off and try and get services, but they could actually come to the mobile unit. What are some of your issues? Do you have a fine? And they can help you, again, walk through the process. Here's all the resources we have for you. And it was a very successful venture to have there. And so I'm hoping to do it more often. Of course, a lot of people want the mobile unit. But because I really feel like by getting them to come out here, it's going to start opening up those doors with like, oh, you know what? That, that, that was actually really helpful. Because yeah. they're not Department of Buildings. No, they're not the ones dropping no. like the sign no. fees or anything no, like that. No, not, nothing like that. And in fact... They have the entire compliance unit, which mm -hmm. I'm really hoping I can get some people to take advantage of because they're <laughs> extremely helpful. Basically, they have an entire unit of people that will come out. You just call up and say, hey, I'd like a compliance officer to come out. They go through your whole business as if they were any one of these agencies and what the most common violations are, things that they'd mm. be looking for. And they give you a report and they say, hey, here's how you did on these things. Here's areas that you probably need improvement. Here's something you really need to look at. They give you that report. That's yours. It doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't get reported to the city. It doesn't stay in files. I mean, I, I asked. Go. I was like, mm -hmm. how long does that stay in the files? You know, because people were very nervous about the idea of I'm going to volunteer to have someone Voluntary come out inspection. and go through. My <laughs> exactly. But it's really saving you to say, hey, down the road when someone comes in, you've already addressed these things that are easily missed. 
Um, well, you, it sounds like there's a pretty secure firewall between them and the fining agencies. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, city agencies hardly talk to each other. Am I, am I allowed to say that? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's you like, can say you whatever know. you want. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a huge firewall between them. But SBS is really here to help small businesses. They are not an agency reporting fines or reporting issues. But, you know, it takes a lot of doing to get people to really understand that that's yeah. what they're there for. The term micro business has been thrown around quite a bit because everyone says small business, small business, small. What is a small business? You know, well, small business is typically somewhere in the neighborhood of 25 and up employees, but under yeah. Oh, what you're dealing okay. with here are people that are sometimes two and three employees. Yeah. And so they've started using this term. It's a micro business. It's beyond a small business. Anything that you really do to impact a business that is running with three or five or less employees yeah. hits that bottom line so hard. So that's quite often what happens with all these regulations and new laws and rules is that they just don't see yeah. how that impact is actually yeah. going to hit day to day. I think sometimes people misinterpret that store owners are like, they run the business, they live down in Park Slope or something. And it's no, like, oh, no, these are your neighbors. Like, you know, you shop in a neighborhood store and then they live in the neighborhood. That is pretty typical of a business and especially here in Bay Ridge. And you hear an awful lot like shop local, shop local. I love that you have our sticker. <laughs> <on it. laughs> We have a shop local sticker on the back of the mixing board in the studio now. Keeping your dollars in your neighborhood is good for you if you live in the neighborhood, good for the businesses. That couldn't be more accurate mm -hmm. when you think about Bay Ridge. I mean, yeah. their kids go to school with your kids. It is very community oriented. So, you know, while it may be easier to shop online sometimes and convenient and everyone does it, you know, everyone does it. <laughs> Shopping local, your dollars go further. They go into your community. It's very important. Yeah. I've read about the dollar that you spend in your neighborhood goes around your neighborhood like 10 times yes. before it leaves. Whereas with Amazon, it's right it's out. It's gone. Which brings me to <laughs> uh -oh. the, way, the way that we actually connected, which was we were talking about some proposed legislation at the state level mm. exempting online retailers like Amazon from having to charge sales tax and right. that the way that that would then affect oh, yeah. local businesses. That yes. that's, yeah, how, yeah. that's how we all came yeah. together. <laughs> I, I, I'm hoping that one all died down, right? I, we I didn't haven't heard that, anything about it since I haven't then, either. So. Uh, yeah, because we did come out against that one. Because anything that you're doing that's going to make it more beneficial for someone to buy online makes it that much harder to convince people that they should buy in their neighborhood. You'll hear People say all the time and politicians, oh, small businesses are the heart of a community. They are the economic stronghold of America. And they're absolutely right. But whether or not, again, policies and things line those, up with those exactly. platitudes. Sometimes I think it's just a matter of not understanding, thinking it through mm. because people want to be able to save money. Yeah. yeah. Your wallet only goes so far and it's understandable. But there was also even that countermeasure that, that came out a little after that mm -hmm. saying, how about not having a sales tax for small yeah. business purchases? And Ooh. I was like, oh, let's That's hear that nice. one. See, yeah, maybe that, that one. one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so like there's ways that you can still help, you know, people's wallet. Yeah. But also support a local business. Just talking about all of these different things, it's two people in your office. Oh, yeah. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm astounded, like, how oh, much work you. there really is to do. And then people online that there's a lot of complaints about, oh, package theft, package theft. And I'm like, how often have you gone down to Fifth Avenue to actually buy the thing? Buy the, yeah. yeah. You could yeah. have done that. But I mean, walk a block then, over. Yeah. And then they'll post something like, oh, so many storefronts are closed. This is so sad. I'm just like wondering, <laughs> what's the deal with closed storefronts? Uh, what is the deal I with closed storefronts? I kind of feel like that's a myth. I, it's an absolute myth. Can we debunk it right yes, here yes, now? Yes, let's do that Can right we now. say officially? Okay. So Fifth Avenue has changed quite a lot. All neighborhoods change. All things yeah. change. So I don't think that that is an issue. What is funny is that there was a time when there were a lot of vacant storefronts on mm -hmm. Fifth Avenue and Fifth Avenue was struggling through that change. So, you yeah. know, they had a lot of high end stores that moved away and then there were all these vacancies. I don't think the businesses or the people kind of knew like what was in store mm -hmm. for Fifth Avenue. Yeah. Well, that was quite some time ago. That was a good 20 years ago at this yeah, point. And right. I still hear the stories of, oh, you know, when Kleinfelds were here and when, you know, the truth is that Fifth Avenue had a different kind of reputation at that time. So then it did go through some pretty rough times. And so it just seemed to somehow develop this mm. ongoing theme like, oh, there's so many closed stores. There's always, oh, Fifth Avenue. And the truth is, so we go through and every month go up and down and check out, you know, which stores are open, what stores are closed. Currently, as of today, we have a 2.7% vacancy rating. Wow. 
that's nothing. Where does yeah. that where does that like rank like <laughs> in terms like, of, of the best bid? in the city? So, you know, <laughs> so neighborhoods that have bids or commercial quarters that have bids have traditionally lower vacancy ratings than mm-hmm. non-bid areas. On the city level, that averages, um, I think in the last trends report, it was about 8.4%. Wow. If you're in a bid neighborhood. In a non-bid neighborhood, they don't really have measurements for it. Because uh, they don't be- have anyone going They don't have anyone down. going out and measuring. I mean, you can hear anything from 12% to 20%, depending on the neighborhood. And yeah. I mean, I know that if you look this up, you'll see periodic reports on this is an area that's suddenly plagued with vacancies and things like that. But Fifth Avenue has become very stable. And so to have a 2.7% vacancy rating is unbelievably good. Less than half of what bids generally yeah, yeah, in the yeah, city yeah. have. And not only that, but you need some vacancy. Like, I, I don't know how healthy it would be to have zero vacancy. I'm, you know, yeah, you almost true. kind of need a turnover. Yeah. You need some things coming out and new things coming in and a space for new businesses to come in. So, you know, when I hear that vacant storefront bit, I'm always like, come on, like, give Fifth Avenue some credit. They're, we're come doing back really good. in a good. month and a half <laughs> yeah. and see if that's still vacant. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a standard Jane, a Jane Jacobs urban planning exactly. thing is you always want a little mix of old and new. Yeah. And not everything can be 100% old and not everything should yeah. be 100% yeah. new, but... It seems like we have a good cycle going oh, on. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. And I've been very excited to see that. In fact, last year at this time, we were at 5.2%. So we've really been seeing the changeover and we've been seeing new businesses coming in. And I think it's very exciting. And, you know, and typically, again, 5% is still very good and was pretty average for Fifth Avenue. That's about where it landed pretty regularly for a long time. They were dealing with some of these issues when they decided it was time to get a bid on Fifth Avenue and start addressing some of this and making it a more vibrant place to shop and have a business. And they did an excellent job. Obviously, Fifth Avenue, it's brick and mortar retail. Right now we have the planters. We have some nice curb cuts and things like that over the last decade or so. Like, What are some of the things? Don't forget the distinctive street lighting. Yeah, the (laughs) distinctive street lighting, Dan. Don't forget that. Don't forget the distinctive. That is is a traditional wrought iron bishop's crook. Yes, it is a bishop's crook. (laughs) Very well done. I I can go into ridiculous detail about street furniture, (laughs) but I don't think many people want to hear that. (laughs) One day we'll do a whole episode. (laughs) But what are some other things that we need to be doing to like improve foot traffic down Fifth Avenue? Like what are the current bottlenecks? So so I have been here now officially one year on the job. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Um, And so the first year. And in that time, the uh, vacancy rate went by half. (laughs) I'd love to just take personal credit for that. I'm sure it was me. No, no. There's there's been policies in place really making that uh, action <laughs> yeah. towards, but uh, if you want to give me credit, no, no, no. You know, so again, the primary focus had been a lot on safety and security and cleanliness and all those things we will keep up. There's, you know, you never want to pull back on something, yeah. a service you're offering. But my background was in nonprofits and in events and event planning and resource-driven information sessions, things like that. So when I came in, you know, that was one of the things that I really want to start building. So I spent this year really making sure that we were doing all the things that we're expected to do, learning all the lessons that you need to learn, talking to business owners, being out there, letting them get to know me. It's Bay Ridge. I'm still a new face and, you know, but, you know, I've been in Brooklyn a very long time. So those are sort of the things that you want to get under your belt that first year. You know, what events are we doing? Let's do them well. But very early on, it became clear that I don't want to say an image problem, but Mm -hmm. like any organization that's been around for a while and you want to kind of refresh your brands, you know, so we did a huge rebranding. We updated our website. We put a lot more resources on there. We wanted to make it more reflective of the kind of organization that we are. And so that it's very clear that this is what we do. This is what you can expect from us. That was like first step. How are we presented out to the world? Now I'm moving on to, okay, your individual businesses within our corridor. How are you presenting yourself out into the ah, world, right? There we go. So yeah, like little incremental steps. And so there's gonna be a much larger focus. I mean, it started even in the first year that I was here, but there's gonna be a much larger focus on marketing, mm-hmm. getting your name out, helping you. When I go online, because I spend an awful lot of time dealing with <laughs> Fifth Avenue, you know, other people are yeah. like probably don't think that much about Fifth Avenue, but we spend an awful lot of time just thinking about <laughs> Fifth Avenue. So when I go online, what do I find? What do I see? Because whether they come into your store personally or not. This is how they're finding out information. So you're going to have your clientele that you've had for years and years. Bay Ridge is very loyal clientele. Mm -hmm. If they like you, they keep going. And that's wonderful. But you need new clientele. That's Mm -hmm. not enough to sustain 
And that's very difficult for a new business or changing models or offering new products, things like that. So one of the things that I really want to address is that actually our online presence in Fifth Avenue overall is not that robust. Yeah. You go to these sites and if there's not a website, it's like, well, I'm not going to call. Well, no, no (laughs) one's calling. No one's picking up the phone to say, tell me about what you offer, your specials or what are your hours or there's nothing wrong with the business, but you've lost that point that someone is going to say, oh, and even myself. I mean, if I'm looking for a restaurant, I immediately look at reviews. Yeah. Yep. And then you can go to the website. So if you're lacking that presence, you don't even realize what you're missing out on. And so, again, for businesses who are running their day-to-day operations that aren't particularly savvy at this, we want to be that resource. You know, We can help you design a website. That's not going to cost you anything. We can bring people in one-on-one, and we've done some of this. We're going to set you up with an Instagram account. We're going to show you how to post. We're going to start some pictures. We're going to get... You know, sending out, I have welcome packets to new businesses and actually I'm going out and giving them to little by little to existing businesses as well, saying, here's what you need to know about your online presence. We did a recent survey of our businesses in general and found that only approximately 30% have a real web presence, an online presence. That's very low. And when you compare us to something like, let's say, Park Slope on Fifth Avenue, they have a huge web presence. Everything like every business there. has yeah. a huge web presence. Well, and, and these are things that these businesses are already paying for through their dues. Yes, and, we are and not going to charge. Yeah. We don't charge them for any service. And, and that's very important. And if it gets to a point where it's beyond what we can do every day, then we might help them find something to keep it going. But yeah. in terms mm-hmm. of actually like getting them started, the problem I want to have is that so many businesses are using us as a resource that we run into that problem. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for. And that's the important thing about a bid is that, you know, you may have this idea that we're going to be doing X, Y, and Z. But if the businesses are clamoring for something else, then we're going to shift our focus. We're going to shift our staff time and move it towards the things that the businesses are saying they need to be successful. And speaking of the rebranding and everything, correct me if I'm wrong, your title is executive director for the... Correct. (laughs) How long has the Fifth Avenue bid had an executive directorship? Oh, okay. That's a very interesting question because for a long time, they usually had a part-time staff. And actually, Jim Clark, he's been present from the very beginning. He was one of the champions out there getting the bid started. And he was on the board. Mm -hmm. He was the president of the board. And he was retired and knows Fifth Avenue better than anybody. Mm -hmm. And so he actually donated his time to run this organization for many years, for the majority of the years. And then we would uh, work with a consultant that would come in maybe and do some of the annual report stuff or do some of the events. So you'd hire someone out to fill some of those gaps for those bigger areas of need. So he and the board were really responsible for all the startup that you see out there, all the things that were going and kept going all these years. So you didn't really have a staff. I am the second full-time executive director. And this is the first time that we've had two full-time staff members. So it is a change in staffing for the organization. That also leads to the question of how is the bid actually structured? You mentioned like a board of directors. Yes. And, and where does the funding actually come from? And also, where do you wish there was more funding coming through? <laughs> okay. Well, that, that, <laughs> everywhere, I'm sure. <laughs> That's a very interesting question. So, you know, we we absolutely try to be lean and mean, as is evident in our office and our two-staff structure. But you're so nice. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yep. um, but at any rate, all bids actually go through an assessment. This is where the funds are collected. So an assessment, which a lot of people will say is a tax, and we argue back and forth. Us bid folks are like, no, it's not a tax. Other people say it's a tax. We call it an assessment. Mm-hmm. The reason it's an assessment is that it is an agreed upon number when the bid is formed. And when you go out and you're getting all the stakeholder information, doing the bid formation process, what makes sense? So an assessment, every dollar collected goes directly right back to you. So unlike a tax where the money goes and it can be spent on any number of things, the money that is collected for the bid goes every dollar directly back into that bid area. Yeah. So the assessment is on the property and you can do it by different measures. You know, some bids do square footage for the whole building. Some bids do difference between residential versus that, you know, because they have different structures because we're very small and mom and pop kind of thing. The stores are approximately 20 feet is, is the average storefront. Ours is by store frontage. It's like this very simple formula, X amount of store frontage. This is how much is paid. It's something that they see it comes out twice a year. Um, but that's you know, a lockbox thing. It goes straight it to is, the bid. It goes straight to the bid. It comes directly back out. So it averages to about $2.84 a day. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, for $2.84 a day, even if you were just getting the street cleaning, mm-hmm. yeah. 
That is the cheapest (laughs) (laughs) service ever. But you're not just getting the street cleaning, you're getting everything Everything else. And on top of that, what other sources of funding are there for bids? Well, for different bids do different things. So you can do sponsorships around events, which most bids do. And that's something we're really looking to build. You can get donations from politicians. Can we get some discretionary funding to address X, Y, and Z? You can also apply for grants. And one of the unique things about a bid here is that Bay Ridge is a successful neighborhood. You know, it's largely middle class, upper middle class, yeah. actually. It's, it's you know, we're very lucky. Go down to Shore Road. Exactly. You'll it's beautiful. That. It's beautiful. But most grants, this has been a trend now for many years. I used to write a lot of grants and it worked in my favor for many years, but now it's, that doesn't quite work that way. They go towards what they call low income, high right. need. Yeah. And that formula determination of what is a low income, high need area is about the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Oh, so Bay Ridge does not qualify for a vast majority of any grants. Gra- yeah, right. I mean, it's I, I've been I and I keep looking, but the thing is, you know, I would never take away from that formula because I understand why it's set up that way, and yeah. you're trying to get the dollars where you think they're most needed. But at the same time, a lot of our merchants, a lot of our property owners, and there's this idea like property owners are like, you know, they've sitting, just sitting on their big money on and the like thing. A these, mansion are, these are somewhere. local folks. This is not the yeah. huge revenue generator yeah. that people think it is, but. In particular, our merchants, a lot of them are living paycheck to paycheck, especially mm-hmm. if it's a new business or if there's yeah. there's an issue or like we said, they're dealing with online and they're mm. trying to keep it together so that if you were actually addressing those needs, they fall into low income because right. all of their money is going right back into the business. But because their business is in Bay Ridge, they don't qualify. So so wow. that's some issue. Like, I mean, I talk about this a lot every time I come up, I'm like, excuse me, what do we do about, you know? These, yeah, basing that algorithm on the actual business person owners versus and... a neighborhood. But again, I, I understand there are some neighborhoods that are really desperate for services yeah. that we mm-hmm. are fortunate to have. And so I'm not trying to divert funds, but at the same time, it would be not like, but, you know, there are people in need. Yeah, that it yeah. doesn't look like they're in need, but they are. There aren't that many stores on Fifth Avenue specifically in Bay Ridge as a whole that are what you'd call like your standard boutique store, which is like there's three people that walk in a day or a week. Oh, and then and six products. Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like how much for that bag? I'm yeah. No, no, One no, no, no. Salary to your salary. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen some people who are like, oh, we really need this specific boutique shop. Let's it's get like, some Comme des Garcons up in yeah. here. Oh, it's so not Bay Ridge. Well, you know what? It is so funny because we'll have other bids come through and walk. And one of the things that was said was, oh, this is so nice because you just have anything that you need here. (laughs) You can buy a little something cheap to eat and then you can go buy a little something to wear as opposed to some neighborhoods that are very boutique. And although they look good, you know, because I'll be honest, part of me was like, oh, we got some of these interesting businesses that really play to some new ideas and and I'm like the turnover on those businesses really? is astronomical yeah. absolutely oh man absolutely I Be- assume that's something like in Soho a few years ago you would just walk down Broadway it's just closed 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 yes and you end up with cheap pop-up shops yes yes absolutely and Bay it- Ridge is not gentrifying people no. <laughs> The rents are just going up for no reason. (laughs) But I think one of the reasons that there would be a good interest in bringing a business to Bay Ridge is that even though the rents are going up because Mm -hmm. rents, again, never go down, it's still much less expensive. Mm -hmm. If you're going to look at a comparable neighborhood, like I said, we're an upper middle class neighborhood. People go out. They eat at restaurants here. They shop here. They have money to spend. So if you can put a store in a place where there's lots of spending happening locally and the rents are significantly cheaper than other neighborhoods. You know, I've noticed we seem to be like a test kitchen for a lot of Park Slope and other kinds of businesses. They'll come (laughs) in, they'll run it for like a year or two here because we have the luxury of three major commercial districts all in close proximity Mm -hmm. just because everything beyond us is residential. We're the closest commercial area for a long way. They have to come. They have to come Mm -hmm. down. And, you know, they'll make it work. Mm -hmm. They'll test it. They'll make it work. And then they'll usually shut. And then, oh, we're opened up in Park Slope now. I'd love to talk to some of them and see how it goes once they've moved to Park Slope. Be like, see see if you were successful here. Yeah. Well, that's actually interesting (laughs) you bring that up because I know there's, there's kind of a narrative of 
the Williamsburg hipster moving the okay. Bay Ridge and opening. <laughs> this is something we hear about all the time. Oh, I'm, I'm um, actually very curious. Yeah, well, it's, it's <laughs> and this is one of those places where as the local far left progressive political podcast, we, you know, there are things we hear that, that you know, who knows what the response to that was. was like, yeah, this coffee place or that small business may look like something you would expect, mm-hmm. but those people grew up here. They yeah. are staying in their neighborhood. They are opening their business. It's, it's yeah. not Williamsburg. It's just called being under 30, under <laughs> I know, I know. (laughs) They had to come to power eventually, right? Hey, well, I think think technically we both count. Are you both millennials? I think technically I'm right on the cusp and you're a couple years. I just want to tell people, like, do you have a kid? You're contributing to this millennial problem. No, no. If they have a kid now, it's like a totally different generation. Oh, it's a totally different generation. I've contributed my my daughter. So part of the millennial problem. But yeah. No, no. Um, No, but I mean, I think that's absolutely true because people who open businesses now are going to have a business that looks different and functions differently. I mean, especially if they're in their 30s or below than a business that opened here 25 years ago. And Mm -hmm. that stands to reason. But I think that there's room for all of it. It's not like you can say Bay Ridge has everything we need and we don't need anything else. And so, no, absolutely not. It's great to have new businesses open. I walk by and I'm like, ooh, new business. Like, yeah, you get very excited or new yeah. restaurant. You know, it's, it's a service. It's a service that you want to have in the neighborhood. And it's, and it's, it's always like great. And it's not like all of them are always going to be hybrid cocktail lounges. No. Like, you, like just down on um, 85th was a shoe repair place, which is like, yeah. When, yeah. when have you ever seen a new shoe, shoe store repair. open yeah. <laughs> no, like, no, that does absolutely. repairs open? Yeah, yeah. it does repairs, comfort shoes, right? See, that was one of those long-term vacancies. And I think mm-hmm. because it was right on the corner. It was Everyone such an eye store that yeah. I was like, it's like coming into the bid. And I was so happy when that opened. In fact, two shoe stores opened right there. Yeah. And one does high end, one does comfort shoes. One does... And I was like, this is great. You need the to have this sort of thing. The sky is not falling. Yeah, no. <laughs> no that, that's a really good point. Like, do you guys go out and recruit businesses to come in or do you wait for people to come well, to you? Well, the thing or... is, we haven't yet. I'd like to get into some more of that as my time starts opening up and as I become more aware of the mm-hmm. things that Bay Ridge is really interested in and needs. Mm-hmm. In order to do that, you need a lot of data. So that's kind of the sticking point. You need to really be able to show your foot traffic data. You need yeah. to show a significant amount of data at your fingertips to convince a business that wasn't already looking for their own reasons, doing their own research that they should come here. So getting that kind of data points is something that I'm going to continue to work on so that, you know, you can really show a little more succinctly what's happening in the neighborhood. And also it's going to help me spot trends and I love data. And that also is something in conjunction with the property owners. So the property owners play a big role in this. Um, you know, I always harken back to, let's say, Dumbo, part of your oh, expertise. Yeah. Yeah, right. so, so this, I, I studied this, that, like, urban planning-wise for it's their like redevelopment. urban planning 101. Is that what that is now, Dumbo? <laughs> yeah, it's like how, it's how they planned out to make sure they had a good variety of a businesses down there. A good variety of businesses. It's, it's an excellent model to think through. What does a community need? What are we going to make sure we have? And luckily or unluckily, depending on your viewpoint. There was one person who owned all of that for the most part. So they were able to say, well, no, I'm going to rent this to this. I'm not going to rent to this because we already have one. I'm going to rent to this. But when you have multiple property owners, Mm -hmm. you can't control a vision in the same way. And I'm not even saying it would be appropriate to control a vision. You know, there's different opinions on that. But to really think through and say, what services would we like to see? Like, what is the neighborhood asking yeah. for that will bring them to Fifth Avenue that they're not getting right now? Do we have enough banks or do we have enough, like, fast food restaurants? Like, maybe, yeah. Um, yeah. So what else are we looking for? You know, we used to have a lot more fabric stores in right. Bay Ridge as a whole. And, and a lot of them have closed down. And me personally, I love a fabric store. I love a craft store. Someone said to me the other day, you know, I needed to buy a, a nice um, notebook. So I didn't really know where to go for like stationery or notebooks or, you know, maybe there's not enough need for that. But anecdotally, you'll hear people say, I'm looking for clothes of this kind. I, mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to find these clothes unless you go to Century 21. Century 21 is a very specific kind of clothing. So a lot of times I do hear that what people leave the neighborhood for, with the exception of some of the bigger chain stores, is clothing. We have some beautiful dress shops. So if you're looking to do your high-end dresses, quinceañera, casa mm-hmm. de quince, wonderful, like beautiful clothing. We got that. Yeah, we got it. And then we have some of the stores that do discount clothing on high-end manufacturers, comparable maybe to going to Macy's and going through the sales rack. But just your day-to-day, like I want to buy a pair of jeans. Where would you shop for a pair of jeans? Mm. So again, just figuring out what don't we have? What could we use? I mean, my background's in the arts, so I always want more arts. There, there are others in the community who feel the same oh, way. thank you. I'm glad to <laughs> oh, hear that. Let them know that we're yeah. of a like mind. 
I'd like to see a lot more of that in Bay Ridge in general, ideally on Fifth Avenue. It's amazing also that the city doesn't have stats on like how many cars run down this yeah. one street. No, they don't. Um, if people just have listened, I think it was five episodes ago, we had an episode that was entirely about the MTA numbers and transit numbers for 2017. Getting good numbers on foot traffic is very totally difficult. No, it's very difficult. The city, they do have certain areas where they focus their efforts and they do counts and they have cameras up. They know who's coming in and who's coming out. And you can get this data all over the place. You can't get it for Bay Ridge. I don't know why that is. You know, anytime I talk to another bid who's like, oh, I get all our data from so and I look and I'm like, why are we not here? You know, so I'm always I'm always bringing up I'm like, what are you going to count Bay Ridge? Because Bay Ridge counts, right? So <laughs> I know that we discussed even having people go out and count, which we haven't gotten done. But if the city's not doing it, we want to go out and do it, you know. But again, when you deal with someone like the city doing it, they know exactly what they're looking for. They have the precedence. And then there's the variations. Are we counting families? Are we mm. counting male versus female? Are we trying to discern age? Are we trying to discern? Yeah. Like, you know, as you know, you know, you kind of need to have an idea of what kind of data you need mm. or what's pertinent data before you even get started. Exactly. If you're listening and you're like, all right, I already shop local. All right. Maybe I do do a little bit of Amazon stuff. Maybe I do. All right. I'll stop doing that a little bit less. Other things to do, just go in and like talk and engage with your shop owners a lot more, learn their names. Yeah, like, absolutely. You know, you know, what is it that you like about their their business? Like, what is it that brings you in? Do a nice review for places you like. Absolutely. Start boosting them up that absolutely. way. What other things that can average people do other than shopping and spending their money? Is Absolutely. Because this is a community. You never know who's connected to who and what mm. organization is connected to what organization. And even just getting involved in the events that we hold on the avenue. Yeah. If you have a nonprofit, if you have an interesting thing going, we want to highlight that as well. If you have a collection of weirdos who like to sit around making podcasts yes. all day. <laughs> <laughs> and, and by the way, and thank you so much. Um, we have been putting up these short stories about Bay Ridge and you guys were wonderful to let us come oh, and of course. record yeah, some and of those. those and yeah, but, the but that's like the kind that. of thing that brings people out mm -hmm. to enjoy their community is also going to help the business, right? So if it's been a long time since you've been to Fifth Avenue, come on by. Visit our website. Send us emails if you've got an idea for something. These ideas and the things that are going to make the neighborhood really wonderful, let us know. You know, well, and, and it seems like you guys are a very agile organization. We try. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Good. We do try. You seem to be succeeding. <laughs> well, thank you. So where can people follow? What's the website? We are BayRidgeBid.com. We have a Facebook page, which is Fifth Avenue Bid. Of course, our Instagram, BayRidge underscore Bid. And our Twitter, BayRidge underscore Bid. So, you know, we're trying to keep these things up and going, you know, and I would really recommend going to our website and really looking around, seeing what we offer, you know, and join our mm, mailing list. There we go. And especially if you're a small business. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if you're, especially if you're a small business, make sure you are communicating with us. I, I cannot stress that enough. No matter how big or small, it doesn't matter. We want to be in the business of helping you. That's our job. Well, and we should probably mention as well, I mean, you guys are right on, you know, the corner of 80th and 5th and yes. your door seems to always be open. <laughs> yes. We stop by a few times. So. Yes, absolutely. So it's really, it's an easy place for people to come and a friendly office for them to come in and talk about their concerns, even if they don't want to send an email, make a phone call. Yeah, no, absolutely. We have people coming in all the time. We have a storefront, you know, we're literally yeah. a storefront. We sit here and wave, people come in. And a lot of times people come by and just say something like, oh, I love the flowers on my corner. I love the flower pot. Or someone yes. come by and say, you know, there's an awful lot of uh, dirt around this particular bench and I want to know what you're doing about it. So there's a crowd of teenagers sitting on a bench shouting random compliments at people. Yeah. <laughs> It happened to Mary. Random yeah. literally happened to my yeah. wife is a bunch of teenagers were hanging out on one of the benches Love in front of the Chinese food place right after school let out. And they were just trying to one up each other with compliments, like kind of like aggressively shouting <laughs> like nice things to people. Just Great like hat. it looks like you, you have a very nice hat. It looks like you're having a lovely day. Oh, that's like, the best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I really wish you had so that. Like some great taped. things about millennials. too. <laughs> Listen, you know, we we know that teenagers who are out here, this is their home. See, this is the important thing to realize is that it may be a commercial corridor. People live here. Yeah. They live above Fifth That This is their home. We want to make sure that it's a good place for everybody. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was our interview with Amanda. Yeah. Thank you so much for sitting down and talking with us. It was really cool. Learned tons. Um, I want, oh, really quickly, I wanted to just go back to something she said really early on about the different bids in the Merchants Association. We do have a fourth business collective, the Yemeni American Merchants Association. Yes. And they are Fifth Avenue, like the high 60s. Yeah. 
They're actually a group that formed out of the Bodega strike that followed the Muslim ban. Really? That's one of the ways that the Yemeni business community has been really active. And they do work in conjunction as well with the Fifth Avenue Bed and the Third Avenue Merchants Association. So so it is a whole little ecosystem. Yeah. That That's awesome. We got to get more people on the show again. Like <laughs> we were thinking about people on the 86th Street bid and talk to them because they have wildly different concerns. Third mm-hmm. Avenue Merchants, Third Avenue is trying to form its own bid. And I think one thing that you really get from this episode is just how varied the commercial areas in Bay Ridge really are. Mm -hmm. And you can write Bay Ridge's economy with a very broad brush and say, everything is bad. Everything is terrible. It's all outlet stores. When people are taking photos of vacant storefronts, it's literally this one block right off of like Mm. 73rd Street on 3rd Avenue where it has like five or six vacancies, you know? Then there are a couple things that have construction, but those are for different reasons. Some areas are amazing. And again, go into our show notes. We have a map that shows you where all the vacancies are. That was- (laughs) Of course we do. Me walking up and down the avenue and just being like, oh, that has a for rent sign. That is, oh, and- that's actually being constructed. That's been rented. They're renovating. Like, mm. you might see a lot of empty storefronts, but a lot of times they're often not the same ones. Yeah, and yeah. you just remember the ones that have been sticking there for a while. Like Amanda said, there are some chronic ones, but they're not everywhere. Uh, Bayridge is doing really, really well. What was, I wanted to ask, and I don't know if you figured it out yet or if it's going to be added in later. Mm. What was the vacancy rate as of today in Bay Ridge? For for all for, of Bay Ridge or for, for the Fifth Avenue section? Um, they were saying it was um, at the moment of last summer, it was mm. around hovering around three and they were yep. absolutely right. Today, it was about 5.6. Okay. Okay. Still very healthy. And actually, I'll link it in show notes as well. New York Times says that is an ideal vacancy rate. That is most brokers and the Times agree that is a pretty great rate. That's what you want because you want some things open. So if people want to open up new stores, they can. And that keeps the prices from getting too high. If it was very, very low, then property owners could actually hike up the rents because there's a high amount of demand. You want there to be a little bit of give and that keeps it stable. And it has been staying stable for a pretty long time. Plus winter, is actually where it historically does hit a peak. And then summers, you have your lowest vacancy rate and it oscillates a little bit. The Fifth Avenue bid area is doing great. Um, It's the area south of 88th Street when you get outside of the 86th Street bid area on Fifth Avenue where there's a lot of parking garages. There's a lot of industrial. It's not really foot traffic friendly over there. That has about like a 13 to 14.5% vacancy rate. Um, But also there aren't that many stores down there. So it's fewer overall closures and it's a different kind of vacancy rate because down there it has a different commercial feel. It's not straight up a commercial strip. It's mixed use. So it's hard to really judge the differences. So again, Bay Ridge is a neighborhood of very different economic corridors with very different economic needs. And the areas that should be doing well are doing well. I think activists can really help out, you know, local economy and local bids and local store owners and storefronts and find some common ground. Yeah, I think that's all really true. And it's great that they're this accessible, you know, they're willing to talk to us. They have these festivals. You can talk to the business owners. And there's a lot of stuff I think that activists can do to help out local store owners beyond just shopping local. They were talking about how do you get a foot count and things like that. Yeah, I wanted to bring that up. I mean, this is something that you've brought up for a while now. I think it's a really great idea. And, you know, we talked about it with Amanda. Is that something that Well, and that was something Amanda brought up was the amount of data that they need to be able to present those recruiting presentations. They don't have the resources to get that information themselves. But as a community, yes, we might be able to help out. So instead of complaining online about what kind of stories you want to see, go down to the avenue and start counting some people because then you might actually get the stories you want. It's about getting involved. It's about getting that data. (laughs) I'm such a data geek. You're, oh my God. I'm dying. <laughs> we should leave it there. Again, check out the show notes at www.radiofreebayridge.org. Follow us on Twitter at, at RadioFreeBR. Yes, and you'll get a lot of the public advocate live tweets as well from there. And you'll get a lot of feisty Radio Free Bay Ridge co-hosts too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you will. You've been very feisty on Twitter I've lately. Been very You've been feisty. killing it. So, you know, if you want to get more of the feistiness, that you follow us on social media. We are a lot more <laughs> unhinged. 
All right. And also sign up for our mailing list yes. online. We are now pushing out um, uh, emails. If you don't want to get on the uh, the devilish Facebook and get all your data stolen by uh, faceless corporations, you can just, you know, just get on the mailing list and have it stolen by us. Yeah, we're just <laughs> taking all that data. And what we, we actually have a pretty good privacy no, policy we're, internally. We're good. And the nice thing with the email list is it's not just stuff we're doing. It's stuff that's happening. So the other night, you know, we let people know about the Solidarity Space um, events. We have mentioned when we're going to be out in the community. It's just it's just one more way to kind exactly. Of and clearly, you're not going to hit every podcast before you know some of these events happen, like we did at the yep. opening of the episode. So that was those emails let you know right when you need to know what kind of stuff is going on in the neighborhood and how to get involved. So yep. sign up for that. And what's coming up next? So then we've got two uh, two episodes in the pipeline. We have one on education, which Eric is very excited about. Um, school quality. School is quality. a school good? I don't good? know if we're allowed to call it school quality. That sends people in with a lot of preconceptions. So we're breaking down the concept. We're ta- we are deconstructing school quality. All right. <laughs> and then the other one I'm really excited about, um, we're getting together a panel of field campaign operatives. That's going to be a team of some amazing women who helped turn out and organize the canvassers and the voters for the 2018 election. We have uh, electoral campaigns at the national level, at the state level. We have issue-based campaigners. We have community organizers. We are all going to fit in this wonderful little studio. I am super excited because it's all women. Field is traditionally a male-dominated field, so the fact that we're going to have a whole bunch of high-level field operative women in here is just awesome. (laughs) All right. So thank you so much, everyone. Mm -hmm. And until next time, stay free, Bay Ridge. Mm -hmm.